Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains. Wheeling and dealing. Trades are abundant right now in the NFL. That's something we'll definitely hit on. On this new edition of Kevin's Corner, I'm Kevin Bowen, Joey Molinaro, rocking his Pacers sweatshirt as they get their season started tonight. For those of you that are used to us coming at you Thursday morning, um, this has been released on Thursday morning, but we're actually recording it on Wednesday afternoon. I'm hosting the morning show tomorrow from 7 to 10 a.m., so if you're listening to this right now, I'm probably live on 107.5thefan.com. Or, um, yeah, or 93.5 and 107.5thefan. 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. But, uh, yeah, so we are recording Wednesday afternoon. The Colts have wrapped up their first practice of the week, and um, this will be released on Thursday morning, obviously previewing the Broncos, and definitely wanted to hit on trade deadline stuff, Joey. And I feel like maybe more so than just recent memory, I, I, I can't recall this many trades happening. And I guess I really hope that by the time we record this and by the time it comes live, that no trade involving the Colts happens over the next kind of 12 or so hours. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like draft picks are a little bit less valuable to some NFL teams right now. It's just there's been a lot of movement. Well, they're probably looking at it the analytical way, right? They say, hey, got an unknown commodity, even if it's a high pick. Yeah. Why not give it up for something that we know can produce already in this league? Which has to make Chris Bauer just ooh, right shake it See that more and more. But then you know, as we kind of you know transition here into this deadline debate, uh, Kevin, w- with all the picks that the Colts have, is that something where people are yeah. saying, "Hey, let's get out there, let's toss one or two around, yeah, let's make us better." It, it, it's definitely something that that I think. Um, Chris Boward's got to look into maybe a little bit more than he has wanted to in years past or, um, you know, he he's willing to look into. Um, so we'll definitely hit on trade deadline today. Um, we'll hit on Deion Kane as well. I got a lot of questions about Deion Kane, Joey. So I went back, watched the All-22 film of his game on Sunday. Um, so we'll focus on those two things, a few more Twitter questions, and then we'll uh, get into three keys for the Broncos. One thing quickly I wanted to just touch on before we get into Denver or before we get into trade deadline, Joey. It, I guess it didn't really occur to me until maybe I saw the record this week and realized, oh, wow, the Colts are 4-2. and two, And this time last year, they were 1-5. and five. And it got to me thinking of like, all right, what are the reasons that you're now 4-2 and two versus last year you are 1-5? and five? And there are obviously tons and tons of reasons why if you look at some of the stats – I would say probably the biggest reason against stat-based is you haven't really turned the ball over. You have six giveaways this season. That's fourth fewest in the NFL. Um, Last year at this time, I think you had 13 committed turnovers. So seven fewer turnovers at this point of the season. Uh, You know, certainly your roster's stronger. You know, second year of systems are in place, like things like that. But I thought maybe the biggest reason why, because Colts have had some injuries early in the year. I mean, Hilton's missed a game. Leonard missed three games. 
You know, Hooker's missed three yeah. games. I mean, you, you've had some significant uh, names on that inactive list. But I keep on coming back to the continuity of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. That group has been intact the entire season. Obviously, Quentin Nelson lining up at fullback doesn't, you know, mean that he's missed any snaps. He continues to play all 100% of the snaps of his NFL career. But that combination of Costanzo, Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Glowinski, Braden Smith, every single snap they've played, the only unit in the NFL to have done that through the first seven weeks of the season. And this time last year, you had started 11, 11, started 11 different offensive linemen, not played, 11 guys had started on that O-line. I mean, we're talking, obviously, the five names that I just mentioned, and then we're talking Raven Clark, Joe Haig, Denzel Good, mm-hmm. Matt Slauson, Jamarcus Webb. I mean, to play 11 offensive linemen, you know, through the first six games of the season, start again, 11 offensive linemen, uh, that is probably the most just kind of polar opposite. And then everything kind of trickles down from there of this time last year, you couldn't run the football. Now Marlon Mack is healthy and you're 10th in the NFL in rushing yards. And definitely, I think a lot should be on Jacoby Brissett in that he protects the football better than Andrew Luck did. Uh, now I know all those turnovers from Luck early last year, I think there are a couple that literally went off wideouts' hands and into DB's hands, but still, you know, Luck had a propensity certainly to turn the ball over, and Jacoby doesn't do that. But, um, you know, for all the cliches that you hear, it's that the fact that you're able to just be healthy and have continuity on the offensive line, uh, I think that's a big reason why you're foreign too. Things are going well on the offensive front. You build up front. Chris Ballard's big like that, but. This trade deadline, Kevin, this is a possibility for them to get stronger on the defensive front, right? Definitely. Um, and I, I wrote something on 107.5thefan.com, so if people haven't checked that out, um, that's posted up there earlier this week. And we know the trade deadline is Tuesday at 4, Joey. So you know, depending on when you're listening to this, about five or six days away. And, you know, I've always been torn. I want to say two years ago I was big in the sell market. You know, I wanted them to trade away Vontae Davis. I think they ended up just releasing Vontae Davis. Um, You know, last year, you probably could have gone either way. I don't think you were fully in the sell mode because you won those kind of two games late, but you weren't a big buyer. You're kind of just like, all right, let's just kind of stand pat. Do you really have anybody that you can actually sell? And then vice versa, why are you going to waste draft picks? This is a, a, a team right now, a roster in a resource base that I think uh, needs to explore the edge pass rushing market and see if there is a middle round pick that you can give and then return you find kind of that third-ish pass rusher that comes off the bench and gives you around four to five sacks I'm not asking to break the bank with Von Miller and at the same time I don't think you're trading a seventh rounder and trying to get you know just a virtual 44th player on your roster sort of thing. I think if you can look into the Washingtons, the Miamis, the Jets, you know, the Bengals, the Falcons, I mean, all these teams that seemingly, Denver, who you're going to see on Sunday, train away Emmanuel Sanders. There are teams out there 
that are really looking ahead towards 2020. What about a guy like Vic Beasley? Vic Beasley is a definite name. You know, obviously a former first-round pick, had a huge year when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, my question with Beasley certainly would be, is that a little bit too much in the draft capital? Um, but, like, the, the, there are a few names of, obviously, you you mentioned Beasley. Tack McKinley for the Falcons as well, another former high pick. I think we've talked in this podcast about Ryan Kerrigan, you know, somewhat of a local guy, you know, played at Purdue and, and is from the Muncie area. Um, Does he still have enough juice to even give you four or five sacks? You know, that he, I don't think he's had a great year. You can, you can check on his stats, Joey, but he certainly has not had that Pro Bowl caliber season. Um, oh, the Eagles placed Hassan Ridgeway on injured reserve. Remember Hassan Ridgeway? I do. Yeah, he um, he was actually having a pretty good season for the Colts. Um, or for the Eagles, excuse me. So, yeah, I would say, do you, you got Kerrigan's numbers? Um, I do. Let's see. He's been credited with two sacks. Yeah. It's just not that, you know, which, again, I think it's a fair question of do these guys have the juice? Um, it's crazy how much he looks like Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> the the creative family guy. It really is. He's he, he's, he's a good-looking guy there. He is, yeah. Um, You know, you have Carl Lawson as a name for the Bengals. You know, the Jets have a deep defensive line. You're going to see Derek Wolf on Sunday from Denver. Uh-huh. I mean, I think these are just some names in that kind of middle-ish round area. I tend to think that giving up anything third round or higher is a little bit too much. Because, you know, I've mentioned before on this podcast that I would want to have that premium draft capital. Still a lot of that in the back pocket of mine if I were Chris Ballard. Just for one purely to have great flexibility and great draft capital. And then for two, obviously, you never know what the quarterback market is going to hold in the eyes of the Colts. Right. Uh, more so than anyone else. And, and and you do you want to make a move or do you feel the need is there to make the move? Um, so I, I think those are all reasons to go ahead and, and explore it. Um, the Kaboko Turi injury, Joey, has certainly contributed to why right. I have this – feeling that that it's needed mm-hmm. you know I mentioned the stat on Monday's podcast I'll mention it again the Colts have had six games this season four of those six games they they've played teams that have been missing one of their offensive tackles and in those four games that's where they've gotten 15 of their 16 sacks if you look at the sacks per pass attempt for the Colts this season they rank ninth in the NFL more than respectable number but you got to dive deeper into it they're ninth in the NFL, and they've obviously benefited from playing offensive lines that have suffered some big, big losses. Yeah. And the one sack that you had against the Falcons and the Raiders was the scramble of Derek Carr going out of bounds for no gain. So I look at it of can you complement your current defensive line? And your current defensive line, if, if we all watch Sunday's game, some of the sub packages, they only had three defensive linemen on the field. And that's obviously a byproduct of they don't feel like maybe there's that every down fourth defensive lineman that they can turn to for that rush package without Ture. But it's power guys. You know, it's Sheard, it's Houston, it's Autry. Is there a speed guy on a tank team that you can look into? 
Um, that's where I would go because I'm trying to give – I think if you're Chris Ballard right now, you've seen your defense play so well the last two weeks. Just incredibly impressive what they've done, beating elite quarterbacks, you know? Um, yeah, back-to-back. Yeah. And that was the question. You know, coming in 2019, we asked that many times, and they have beaten elite quarterbacks. Now it's, okay, let's make sure Matt Eberflus has a variety of skill sets available to him so he can use this package and that package and this game plan and that game plan. You want to make sure that he has the tools in the toolbox um, to go ahead and, and, and try and attack any sort of offense that Colts face this season and you know, lastly, Joey, before we move on, unless unless you have anything to add, um, you look around the AFC right now. I mean, all the elite teams have virtually made a move. Yeah. New England gets Mohamed Sanu, what, three hours after the game ends? That was wild. <laughs> on yeah. Monday Night Football. Um, Baltimore gets Marcus Peters. Kansas City, uh, have they made a move? Houston is the other team with Gary and Conley. Uh, Oakland got Zay Jones. But you, you've seen pretty much all of these contenders in the AFC make some sort of move. And I feel like the Colts have to look at this conference right now and think to themselves, hmm. Yeah, New England 7-0. and And let's just let New England 7-0 be 7-0. We can debate how legit they are and all that down the road. But they're obviously in a group by themselves. Everybody else is pretty much bunched together. Yeah. And if you've just beaten Houston and Kansas City, does spending that middle-ish round draft pick, is that attractive to Chris Ballard? And I actually think there could be something there. I, I don't think this is Ballard just slamming the door shut saying, I like them picks. Ha. <laughs> he does. He does. And I will also say this. Opportunities in the NFL are so, so precious. You never know when that year is going to be the year. You know, you, you just never do. When Pittsburgh won, did both of their Super Bowls come out of the wild card in the Roethlisberger? No. no, 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 no. First one did. First one beating the Colts here. Yep. Um, You look at, you know, Green Bay getting on a run out of the wild card. Obviously the Giants, you know, getting on their runs out of the wild card. Like, how many Super Bowls has Drew Brees been to? How many Super Bowls did Peyton Manning go to here in Indianapolis? Two. I mean, Rodgers has been to one? Yeah. I mean, it's it just it's crazy when you think about you never know when your opportunity is going to be there. And you can't just say you're going to be there year in and year out. Right. I mean, Breeze, Rodgers, Manning, like you would expect those guys to be there annually. And, you know, combine all their seasons, they went four times in 40 years. Like it's just. Can't really do the uh, why. Why do today what you can put off to tomorrow? That's just, yeah, yeah, that that doesn't really exist. That in the quote NFL. should not be framed at any yeah. general manager's office. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't. And I'm not sitting here being like, push all your chips in year in and year out. No, 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 no. You can be prudent with this, and that's that's what I would like to see the Colts do here over the next four or five days. And you know, who knows? Maybe you can't find another team to tango with. Um, but I think exploring those options would be well served. Such a football guy thing, you know. They they would have the opposite of that in their office. Why 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 do why put off tomorrow what you could do today? I was gonna say they would have like <laughs> unless unless it was Bill O'Brien and he's just like, Hey, I'm trying to save my job, so I'm yeah. the GM here, I'm gonna trade 
I'm going to trade everybody. Or why put off tomorrow, which you could do now, and now is all capitalized. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, 72 so. font on. on there. All right. Let's uh, hop from the trade debate, Kevin, to um, Deion Kane. Now, coming into this year, we've, we have we talked about it earlier this week, the Kane train, baby. We are ready to print the shirts. We're excited. And then I forget who the Twitter follower was who said it. You know, what Jacoby Brissett, or what did he say about Jacoby Brissett's mama? Because, I mean, you just haven't really seen him out there. Yeah, I think that was Kit. Kit uh, DM me with that question. You know, we, we touched on it on Monday. I wanted to come back after watching the All-22 film and, you know, let you know what I saw with Deion Kane. 32 snaps, Joey, in the game against the Texans. No targets. Um, I think he was on the field of those 32 snaps. I want to say 22 were passing plays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pretty pretty significant amount. Um, and we, we, we've touched on it before. The last five games, he's had 10 targets and two catches. Just hasn't been there. And from watching the film from the Houston game, it just becomes clear to me that Deion Kane is not very high, is not consistently very high on the progressions and reads for the Colts offense and Jacoby Brissett. Um, and that can be for a my, you know, myriad of reasons, and, and obviously you can look at the film and you know, maybe it's a coverage that indicates Jacoby Brissett's eyes have to go somewhere else or you know, things like that. But there were more plays than not certainly more plays than not, where just the eyes of Bursette doesn't even go in Kane's direction. And there were plays where Kane was open. There are definitely plays where Kane was not open. But you watch the other pass catchers for the Colts, and I just feel like they're, they are higher up on the progression and on the read pattern um, for what the Colts are doing right now from a passing offense standpoint. And it goes back a little bit. You know, to what Frank Reich was saying a few weeks ago when, you know, we kind of started to ask about Deion Kane's quietness of saying he's got to make sure that he continues to develop as a route runner. And even when the ball doesn't come to him, he shows on film that he is running the right route. So when Jacoby and the offense and Nick Sirianni go back and watch that, there's trust and there's belief that you can have faith in that guy. And I guess Zach Pascal is a perfect example of it. There's so much trust right now with, with him, and I just don't think Deion Kane has that same trust. So, um, you know, I'm not ripping any one individual for that. Obviously, the Colts need to see more out of Kane, and if they do see that, you know, he should offer them a little bit more trust, and that should lead to more targets, and just maybe he moves up a little bit higher um, on the uh, – on the progression uh, chain, if you will. So um, I go back to the route running and just that, I think that's probably the thing that has to be there the most for him because he's still playing a good amount of snaps. It's not like he's, you know, seeing 10, 15 snaps a game. This guy's hovering around 50% of their snaps week in and week out. Um, Still early though, right? I mean, Oh, extremely early. I mean, (laughs) I mean, really, it is his first six games of his career. Correct. I mean, this is more or less his rookie season. It's just surprising to me that he's playing the amount of snaps he's playing. Mm -hmm. No Funchess. Hilton misses a game. Campbell misses three games or two games. And you haven't seen the targets nor the – I mean, honestly, any receiver, even Zach Paschal, you know, back early in the season, 
if he were to play 30-some snaps and didn't have a single target, it would be notable. And we obviously don't talk about Deion Kane's blocking like we talk about that of Zach Paschal. So, again, I think it's just he's got to earn more trust. That, that That's what I observe. Again, I obviously I don't know every answer from it, um, but from what I saw against the Texans game, yes, there are a few plays where it looked like the ball was intended to go to him or at least he was early in the reads, but the vast majority of plays – um, he was not really that involved. All right, so flex game from 425 to 1 o'clock. Oh, I forgot it was flexed. Sunday afternoon at Lucas Oil. I believe it's a blue out. Color rush. Color rush, big day. Roof possibly still open. I'm going to check the forecast here really quickly before we get into your keys. Do you like those color rush? Eh, it's not going to be open. High of 61 and cloudy on Sunday, so it'll be a closed roof. Uh, yes, yes, I do. I do. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm all for know. any alternate jerseys, go, honestly. Know, go for it. Yeah. Full, full thing, all the blue. I love it. Now yeah. I need the fans to support the blue out as well. Right. I need Lucas Oil to... Look blue. Look blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Woo! Excuse me. Anyways, three keys for the Colts to win against the Broncos on Sunday. Yeah. Um. You know, as we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon, uh, it, it, it looks like the Colts are getting a lot healthier. Malik Hooker expects to play... You know, Kenny Moore back to practice, Paris Campbell back to practice, Tyquan Lewis back to practice. That's pretty good. Um, and just, I know we'll have people that will ask that. With getting Malik Hooker back, I don't think Kari Willis comes off the field, Joey. I mean, to me, it still seems like something where you need to play Hooker and you need to play Willis and then maybe use Clayton Gathers or George Odom in some sub packages. But that will be something that I'm watching for. But specifically with keys of the game, Key number one, don't let Von Miller turn back the clock. I don't think it's shocking to any of us, Joey, that you see Denver ranked fourth in total defense. Like, that's really, really good. But then you look at Von Miller's numbers. He hasn't really done much. His numbers this season, two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, and seven quarterback hits. In seven games, two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, and seven quarterback hits. He had 80% of that production in one game. Against Jacksonville, he had two sacks, two tackles for loss, and four of his seven quarterback hits. So if you look at the other six games he's played, a half sack, no tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. Might be time for a change of scenery. Oh, boy. And see, for those clamoring for a guy like Von Miller, that is what I think is too pricey. I just think it, it, it's too pricey there. and you Maybe always, not even here, but, I mean, just if he, you know. Trust me. I mean, give there. is Denver going to move him? Is Denver going to move Chris Harris? You know, I mean, there are some names that Denver could still part ways with. Um, so, yeah, just – and I'm sure a lot of this is because Bradley Chubb is gone and now even more attention is – and gone for the season. Bradley Chubb tore his ACL – um, even more attention going towards Von Miller, but the guy played 52 snaps against the Chiefs and wasn't in the box score. Yeah, that, I know. I that, bet on that game, so I, I know why <laughs> that he didn't do that anything. That was ugly. Because, yeah. Are you going to tell Joey Molinaro before the game that Matt Moore plays over two quarters and I assume you took Denver to cover? I did, yeah. And you didn't even sniff <laughs> that at all. No offense. but um, I did not. Again, just don't let Von Miller turn back the clock because he's done it, you know. I mean, he, and he's done it against the Colts. So that's key number one. 
Key number two for the Colts, it's be a dominant defense. Denver's offense is um, uh, bad. Doesn't produce a whole lot. Yeah, not not efficient would be a good. Yeah, they scored six points against the Chiefs. That's really hard to do. You almost feel like you had to throw the game almost to score six points against the Chiefs. So, again, sorry to you there. Um, I think Flacco was sacked eight or nine times in that game. Salt in the wound. I mean, that is a ton, a ton. So, it's a terrible offensive line. They just trade away Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton's all they got at the receiver position. They've got two decent backs, you know, in Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, and that's how they're going to try and beat you. They're going to try and run it at you. Um, and I think a big key is certainly is if you can play from ahead with that offensive line, they do not want to throw the football. And obviously, if you play from ahead, that neutralizes some of their pass rushers. So, um, it, you know, it's obviously a common theme whenever you're playing teams that are against the up against the wall, per se, with their record. But just don't give these teams hope. You know, Oakland got hope early in the game. Mm-hmm. Denver is now reeling even more. They've got guys that aren't even sure if they're going to be there 48 hours after the game ends with the trade deadline. That, I think, is absolutely paramount. And then lastly, keep developing the youngsters. Certainly the win is the most important part of it. Like, I don't want anyone to think twice about that. And you're nearly a touchdown favorite at home. Um, but this is a game, and I guess more so over the next four weeks, not not necessarily with um, – Pittsburgh, but with Miami coming in here the week after, there's an opportunity to play some of your youngsters a little bit more. Like, in the next month, Brian Hoyer should get his first snap of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, you should have a lead in the fourth quarter where you aren't playing a one-possession game for the, you know, seventh week in a row like you have played here for the season. The only team in the NFL to have a one-possession game every single outing this season are the Colts. Um, But, yeah, I mean, play some of these rookies – Obviously, I'm thinking Kane. I'm thinking Ali Cox. I'm thinking Okariki. You know, EJ Speed. Guys that you would like to potentially rely on at the end of the season because your depth's been tested early in the season and it's passed a lot of tests. It's going to be continue to be tested with how injuries are and things like that. Um, so I would say those are the big keys to the game for me. Cool. You want to do some Twitter questions on a Thursday? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Then we'll hit the prediction after that, and we'll call it a day. All right. From Rick, do you think it would make sense to add someone to this team before the trade deadline and where? I believe we definitely need another guy to get to the quarterback. But the run game looks slightly concerning against the Texans' defense, too. That game was way too close for my liking. Well, Rick, welcome to life in the NFL when you're playing good teams. You know, uh, parody defines this league, so I wasn't shocked at all with how close it was. Um, so run game, I don't really know what you would add. I, I don't think you're going to add a running back. I don't think you're obviously going to add an offensive lineman. Other positions that I think you could you could definitely throw around, interior defensive line. Some people have asked me about Geno Atkins. Uh-huh. Wide out. Wow, Geno Atkins. Yeah. Um, we've seen the Colts via free agency sign some interior defensive linemen here in the uh-huh. past few weeks. Whiteout to me isn't like an absolute must because I just look at it of okay, Funches is coming back here in a few weeks. You gotta think Campbell or Kane is is gonna start to give you something, and you know Pascal is at least shown to be capable. Um, so it's a group that you still need to get more out of, but I think you have a few more people in house that you feel better about. Whereas D end, it's like Ture was that speed guy, he was the Ben guy. 
I don't know if you have that other guy on your roster. Um, one thing about the run game that Frank Reich touched on earlier today, which I thought was very in-depth answer from Frank Reich, and the full answer is on 1075thefan.com in the Wednesday notebook that I posted. Um, you know, Reich mentions how the norm now is going to be teams to load the box. That doesn't mean the Colts are going to abandon the run by any means. Yes, they are going to scheme some things up to try to lighten the box, and they are going to run play action. They are going to do other things, but there's they are still going to be committed to running the football even when the numbers aren't in their favor. Like just because there's eight in the box and you only got seven that can block, that doesn't mean the Colts are all of a sudden going to abandon that you know, 10 out of 10 snaps. Yeah. And I think what you're going to see from Denver on Sunday that might be different from Houston is Denver's secondary is actually pretty good and, and, and pretty talented. Houston's secondary wasn't that. So if Denver's guys can hold up in man coverage a little bit better and they're still committing the resources in the box, how does that impact this Colts offense? So that will be something to watch um, here on Sunday afternoon. From Colin, could Quincy Wilson be on the trade block with Shaq Taylor on the rise with snap counts? It's a good question, Colin. Um, you know, Shaq Taylor played um, him and Roland Milligan both played more than Quincy Wilson uh, the other night or the other afternoon against um, against the Texans. But it wasn't like Quincy Wilson was outright benched. I mean, I definitely found it odd that he wasn't out there in that nickel package to start the game. But um, he still was involved in those dime looks. Let me find the exact snap count numbers. So if you go back to the Kansas City game, Quincy Wilson played 20 snaps in that game. Shaq Taylor played 12. Then you fast forward to the Houston game. Quincy Wilson plays 19 snaps. Taylor plays 31, and Milligan plays 26. But to me, Joey, it's kind of like, wow, Quincy Wilson played pretty well against Travis Kelsey. I mean, he was a big part of kind of what what you were doing in that game. And from what Matt Eberflew said earlier in the week, they just felt like maybe it's kind of the shiftiness of like a Kiki QT and even a Kenny Stills to a degree. Maybe not like the big. I I, I think Quincy Wilson is better against the bigger wideouts or the bigger tight ends, obviously, whereas Milligan and maybe Taylor are a little bit better against some of the shiftier wideouts. So I think that was why you saw the increase in playing time. Um, now, any time that you see a guy that you felt like was starting the year as a potential starter and now he's you know, lost as much playing time as maybe Wilson has, there is something there. But I would be, be kind of surprised, honestly, if Quincy Wilson was moved. Has it been a great third year for him in the league? No. But, I mean, he was big in that Kansas City game, and I, and I don't want to lose sight of that. From Elijah – says, the Colts seem like they step up in the big games they need to, like Kansas City and Houston, but they always seem to struggle to put away more of the easier teams like the Raiders and Jets last year. Do you think this will change or continue? Well, Joey, the Colts are 13-3 and in their last 16 games, so I think, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's tied for the best record in the NFL. I think New England is the only team that um, has fewer losses over that span. So, mm-hmm. yes, their losses ha- have been to Oakland. 
and worked at Jacksonville last year, but I don't put like a whole lot of stock into like, you know, are you playing to your opponent? I, I don't know. Like maybe, you know, people have asked me several times this week, the fact that the Colts have been involved in one possession games every, you know, outing this year, is that concerning? Because when you look at the other teams in the, in the AFC playoff picture, I think they've combined, the other five teams, they've combined for um, 19 games that have been by more than one possession. So clearly, you know, other teams in the playoff mix are beating teams by multiple scores. The Colts haven't done that. So maybe it is something to where they play to their competition, but I I never look at it like this team is overlooking certain opponents. I, I just don't think that's how they're wired. Um, I don't think that's how Frank Reich is, is, is wired either. I just think it's something that happens in the NFL, man. Teams... Wild shit happens week in and week out. You never think yeah. certain teams are going to do certain things. So um, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into, again, people over overlooking certain teams. Alex wants to know, with how well Ballard has drafted linebackers, do you ever think the Colts could go back to a 3-4 defense? No, no. Ballard's such a big fan of a 4-3. He wanted to switch to a 4-3. He believes that wins indoors. Um Thinks that you know Super Bowl teams, you won't find many three, four indoor Super Bowl teams. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a big Ballard decision, less kind of a coaching decision. He wants a four three defense, and uh, I, I I don't see that changing anytime soon. Curtis asks, curious if you noticed the Colts subbing in Okariki for Walker in the second half drive that led to the TD. Wasn't sure if something happened to Walker or if that was a strategy to use Okariki's speed with the Texans spreading out and passing. And if this is something we could see more of in the future, rotating personnel to fit situations. Says, there thanks. says thanks, love the podcast and your coverage. Thanks, Curtis. Appreciate that. Um, they're definitely going to rotate, guys. I was actually surprised that Bobby Okereke didn't play more, Joe. He only played 16 snaps. 16 to 63. Anthony Walker played 34. So hopefully my math will be better on this week's podcast than it was last week. 16 plus 34. Is that 50? It is. Okay. 50 of 63. So clearly there's 13 snaps where Darius Leonard was probably the only linebacker on the field. Mm. And that's obviously when you get into your deeper dime looks. Um, I mean, Matt Eberflus made it clear this week they are going to have rotating bodies in a whole lot. They had 18 guys play, I think, at least 20% of the snaps. That's a lot. Six of them are rookies. And I think three of them are second-year guys. So, I mean, they are rotating a whole lot, and Iberflus wants to do that. He wants to do it from a matchup standpoint. He wants to do it from a build-in-the-depth standpoint, so all those things. So, I honestly feel like Okariki, it might just be one of those things where, hey, you're going to get a series or two each half. Um, I'd have to go back and look a little bit deeper into that's exactly how it worked out. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice that too, that he was on the field for an entire drive, and that was I think that was one of those like two minute drives that uh that Houston had. But get used to it. I mean, they are going to be rotating guys um a lot. From Craig, what do you think will be Pascal's role as wide receiver once Paris and Devin come back? That's a good question. I mean, I still think he's gonna play a good amount. I mean, think back to week one, you know, when you had Funches healthy for virtually the entire game. You had Kane, you had Campbell. I mean, Zach Pascal still played a decent amount. 
that was one of those games where he had the 30 snapper no target game so I I still think he's going to play a role for you you know Paris Campbell's return this week Joey assuming it happens I think that would eat more into Chester Rogers role you know that's kind of the slot versus slot guy yeah but to me Pascal is really I mean he's it's tough to take him off the field at it this is point. and he gives you the unpredictable element too he's similar to Jack Doyle in that you aren't tipping your hand too, too much there. You've thrown the ball to him, and he's been effective when he's been targeted. Um, you know, Funches isn't coming back until November 17th at the earliest. Him and Nick Foles could be back for the same game against each other, the two collarbone guys. Nick Foles um, actually got back to practice today. Funches did not practice this week, or will not practice this week, even though he is eligible. Um, I don't think that's the most alarming thing. He's still got, you know, 21 days to practice starting next week before he can return to a game action. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pascal right now, he's just, you know, similar to, to Dontrell Inman. Last year was kind of like, oh, how long is Inman going to keep this up? And yeah. by the end of the year, Dontrell Inman was by far your number two wideout. Right. There just comes down to a trust factor and a consistency factor that um, is just too good. All right, man. This is going to be five and two. After Sunday, I think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, Denver. Um, I just, I don't know. Maybe that Thursday night game sticks too much out of my head, and I'm sorry, Joey. I keep on bringing it up, but I mean, doesn't Denver stink? Or kind of stink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of stink. They're they're closer to stink than kind of not. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's a very good way to put it. Elo- eloquently put, honestly. <laughs> um, I go back to this. Jump on them early. Don't let them get the run game started. And then offensively for you, yes, Denver's better than Houston in the secondary, but I don't think they're as stout in the front seven as Houston. So I think you should be able to run it, even if those numbers aren't in your favor, yeah. like Frank Reich was saying. I think you should be able to run it. So I'm going to go Colts 27, Denver 13. Ooh, close. I'm going 27-17 Colts. Okay. I mean, Denver scored six. They've had some games, just some clunkers, even when they've won. You know, they shot out Tennessee 16 nothing a couple weeks ago. But you just kind of worry about where their psyche is. All the John Elway, Peyton Manning crazy stuff, and they trade away. Oh, is there a rumor that he's going to take over out there? I I think there was a rumor that they wanted Peyton back as quarterback. (laughs) They'd probably be better off at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm waiting for the Drew Locke era to start. Mm, I think he's hurt still. Yeah, he's got the thumb injury of – you know, it was funny. I forget who was saying in the locker room today, or maybe it was Frank Reich, just kind of like, I mean, we know Flacco's got a big arm. <laughs> that's probably like the only compliment he, Flacco ever gets. I mean, that's what he does. Got an arm. If he's not checking it down two yards in front of the line of scrimmage, right. he's chucking it deep. Chucking it. But that O-line, it can't hold up, man. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Colts 27-13, but both Joey and I have them covering the spread and uh, multiple score victory for the horseshoes all right he's Joey Molinaro I'm Kevin Bowen hopefully no news is broken since we recorded this podcast and uh, if you have any questions the rest of the week K Bowen 1070 on Twitter and as always 1075thefan.com for all of your Colts content we'll be back Monday morning recapping Broncos and Colts this has been Kevin Bowen thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage